This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. You can be the total package at the wrong address. So just because you're single does not mean that there is something off within you. If you're not careful over time, you will internalize that messaging and being single can start to feel like something you're embarrassed about or that it's something that you need to get out of as soon as possible. I could not be a cynic about love and attracted into my life at the same time. Welcome, Faith, to Women of Impact. Thank you. Thank I, you so much. I'm so excited for you to be here. As a judge on Divorce Court mm-hmm. and as now host of Killer Relationships, where literally people end up killing their partner, mm. you have seen some really, really hard ends to relationships. Mm-hmm. And I think about every relationship mostly started with love, romance, like attentiveness, mm-hmm. compassion. And yet you've seen the absolute worst in people from mm-hmm. hatred, divorce, to actually killing each other. Mm-hmm. Um, what is a commonality that you have seen that people have in those situations where they've gone from utter love to utter disaster? Mm-hmm. Well, I think that for a lot of the relationship problems I see, what I notice, first I'll talk about the cases I've seen in divorce court. People don't really have a lot of relationship problems, actually. They have problems that they bring into the relationship. And then over the course of time, uh, if unaddressed, they build. And then you have resentment that builds and anger that festers and unforgiveness. And those are things that are deadly to love relationships. So you have all of those factors. And then when I talk about the uh, other show, I used to be a prosecutor in Manhattan and I prosecuted a lot of really horrible crimes. And then I worked in family court where I was dealing with people and their marriages and children and relationships. And it was really interesting because I think relationships is something that we all can relate to, but we can't relate all relate to the criminality that sometimes happen. So I wanted to tell these stories because really it's taking people through this journey and it's the one question that most of us have when we see these relationships end and it's why. Answering the question of why. Why do people, why is divorce not enough? Why is separation not enough? Why is it for these individuals that someone's life had to be taken? So those are the two and I I know. I live and breathe and understand the importance of positivity in all aspects of life. And so having the job on divorce court or telling these kinds of stories, I always look at it as revealing the lessons Mm -hmm. in life, things that we can learn from and evolve from. Okay, that's amazing. And where I love to tie everything in that you're just saying is your book, Sis Don't Settle. And so as I think about how you've written a book that is basically the starting of a relationship mm-hmm. and your career, the divorce, you know, divorce court and this new show is really the end. Mm-hmm. So I'd love to actually um, start with 
where do we start in the relationship? So sis don't settle. What are the things that we should be looking for that you have seen? If you don't have it, then it ends up in divorce court mm -hmm. or it ends up in an even worse situation. Mm -hmm. Well, this book uh, really, you know, my professional experience is, is one thing, Lisa. But for me, uh, this was a very personal project mm -hmm. for me because when I graduated from law school and I moved to New York and I was in the big city and had my dream job, my dream apartment, I thought, okay, this is the perfect time for me to meet my husband. And that did not happen for 20 years, but that's how long I spent dating. And so I went through this journey of love and relationships and how they work and what works for me, what doesn't work for me. And what I realized is, because I, I didn't have these huge standards of love growing up in my life mm -hmm. to pull from. So people talked about dating being an art or dating being a science. Really, no one taught me these things. Mm -hmm. So I spent a lot of years trial and error learning on my own. And then of course, then bringing in the practice of being in family court. So I merged all of those things together because I really wanted to give women a guide. When I did get married, you know, I was, it was after I turned 40 years old, I had been through the questions all those years of why aren't you married? Why are you still single? I'd been through a lot of ups and downs in relationships and learned a lot from those. And so I pulled from all of those lessons because this is what I wanted to give back to women who had, who are, had similar journeys and struggles and questions like I did. Okay, that's amazing. So what was the first thing that you feel like, because, you know, talking about foundation, right, everything that we're saying right now is mm -hmm. building the foundation so that you don't end up in these, you know, horrific situations, because you never marry the person you divorce. Mm. And I think about that a lot. And I think about as you fall in love and everything that you just said, it took you 20 years to figure out all those things and the choices you make mm -hmm. in order to build the foundation of a relationship that allows you to then have, you know, hopefully a successful one. Mm -hmm. So as you started, what to you was the first fundamental step you needed to take in order to have a relationship that you could set up for success? Loving my life because I could not look to someone else to make me happy. If I gave someone else the power to make me happy, then I'm also giving them the power to make me sad. <laughs> I'm also giving them the power to make me depressed. So owning that power for myself and deciding that being single was not a rest stop in my life, it was time for me to really live. If I had been waiting to meet a partner, if I had been waiting to get married to really live, well, guess what? I would have lived half my life just existing. Mm -hmm. So that was the first choice I made to embrace my own happiness so that when you talk about happily ever after, I'm bringing the happy to that ever after. And hopefully someone else is bringing that happy too. Uh, so that was the first thing. And then working on myself as a single person. When you get into a relationship, you bring you into the relationship. So knowing how, to, if you know how to communicate effectively as a single person, that's going to reflect in your relationships. Mm -hmm. If you know how to compromise as a single person, that's going to reflect. If you know how to manage your emotions, your anger, when you're upset, how to respond in an emotionally mature way. If you know all of those things, that's what you're bringing into your relationship. So preparing myself, becoming the right person, mm -hmm. so that when I did attract the right person, I would be someone that they wanted to be with as well.
And I love that. And then also you just knowing who you are so you don't adapt. How many people, and you say this in your book, where you meet someone and now you're falling in love and everything that was important to you, all your friends, everything that you did just is like out of the window. Yes. And now you have morphed yourself into being the person that that other person wants. Yes. I do talk about that because, you know, in my when I started dating, I was figuring out what I liked and what I didn't like. And this is the time though, when you're single and you're learning about yourself, it's the time for you to learn those things that you're willing to compromise on and the things that you aren't. So that when someone amazing and fine and sexy shows up in your life, all of those things don't go out the window. So I said, you know, you can't, all of a sudden you meet a lawyer, now you're watching Suits every night, <laughs> three rows of suits. It is a good show though. <laughs> it is a good show. And then you, you, you meet a preacher, you haven't been to church in 20 years, but now you're front and center every Monday and Wednesday because you're navigating, you're not really being who you are, you're adapting to who you, you're trying to impress someone with who you think they want you to be. So just being really careful about being grounded in who you are, and it also really helps when you meet someone new because you, you can recognize early on if they have character traits that you know won't mesh with you, that aren't compatible with you because you already know the things that you really appreciate about a person and the things that you know won't work for you. I said you have three choices you can make when you meet someone that you like and you're dating and you wanna to go to the next level. You can accept them for who they are, you can reject them cleanly, kindly, nicely, or you can try to rebuild them. Rebuilding them is a choice that I see a lot of people make. I used to do that, and it is the worst of the three. Because you, when, when you accept someone for who they are, you say, okay, I can love this person for who they are. Now we're always growing, changing, improving, learning. Those are the things that you want, right? Because you, you're on a path and you want someone else to be on that path to always striving to be their best self, mm -hmm. even through the peaks and the valleys. And then you, so you accept them for who they are. If you know that there are some core incompatibilities with someone, then you reject them cleanly and kindly. You don't have to be mean. You don't have to be angry. You can just recognize that you have a different life perspective than someone else. So when you see these really bad breakups that we talked about earlier, that's really coming from a place where you're not enlightened about your future because if you really think that the best is still out there for you, why would you be angry when a relationship ends? <laughs> why would you be upset when it's ending? You, you would just be more accepting of it and more at peace about it. And then lastly, rebuilding someone, which is, I say, the worst. I like you, but these are all the things that I need you to change and do different in order for this relationship to work. People do not change because they are being forced to by someone else. They change because it comes from a place within where they want to do something different and they think that it will be an improvement in their own life. So nagging doesn't work, harassing doesn't work, giving someone an ultimatum does not work. And those are the things that build resentment in your partner and sooner or later they will leave, there will be a separation because you can't build a relationship based on that kind of resentment. God, that's so powerful. Like resentment is one of those things. And I've heard you say like in relationships, it's really the day to day, right? It's how do you act? How do you show up every day with your partner? And mm -hmm. you know, are you cohesive? Um, and I really think about that, like how people get to the point where they really, really, truly resent. Like there's sometimes true freaking hatred in that person's yeah. eye. And that's what's going back to something earlier. It's like when you first meet someone, you have the love, 
But you, the, you know, like, oh my God, this person's never gonna hurt me. Look how generous, look how kind, look how sweet they are. And then flash forward five or 10 years later, and it becomes the person that is the bane of your existence, that is like keeping you awake at night, that is just spilling hatred into you, yeah. uh, into your life or your relationship. And so I, I like going back to like, what is that? I think resentment is such a big part of it. And how many people do you see in those situations where they've said, but you said you were gonna do this, or mm -hmm. you said you were gonna be this person, and now mm -hmm. you've changed. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of, is that taking ownership? Is that actually, do you see that being useful? Saying, um, you know, you've actually, we made an agreement and you're the one that switched. And mm -hmm. if so, how would you actually, if you could rewind, what would mm -hmm. you change about it? Mm -hmm. An example would be when a couple discusses having children and uh, they agree that, let's say the couple agrees that they will have kids at some point and, and they get married. This is a friend of mine, real life situation that happened. Um, he was married for several years and his wife decided that even though initially she thought she wanted kids, she changed her mind and she did not want to have children. They had an open and honest conversation and they ended up getting a divorce because that was a true level of incompatibility at that point and it wasn't there in the beginning mm -hmm. and initially they had these discussions well but you said that this is what you wanted and you changed your mind and that was the wedge that was being created between them uh, in the end i think they handled it in a healthy way in going their separate ways because they didn't try to destroy each other on the way out which is what you see far too often but what you have to do is recognize because we, we're humans, we, we are going to change. Being in a marriage by definition changes you the moment you get married because what other, there's no other relationship that you're gonna have. It's not the parent-child relationship, the sibling relationship that brings you as close as you will be to your significant other than this marriage, than this life partnership. You're talking about the person who will really see you at your weakest at your most vulnerable moments, all of those things. So by definition, that relationship changes us. Mm -hmm. But then as we go through life and we evolve, there are other things that, that are going to change. And so you hope when you're making a decision about who you go through this partnership with, the change won't be something that is, um, that is in opposition to what your core values are. Mm because that's when it really breaks down, when the change becomes in opposition to your core values, and then you have a different choice to make. So the, there are two things that, that are really important. When you realize that it's not working, and you have those open and honest conversations, and then it's second, how you treat each other when you are going in a different direction. Because I always say, and this is so important, how many times did have you gone through or you've, you've witnessed your friends go through relationships and then they go through a breakup and someone is being vindictive. They are being spiteful. Now they're full of all of this revenge and all of these things and they say, wow, I never saw this side to a person. That is a red flag because whatever, what's in them is coming out of them. If those things were not inside of them when they're under pressure, then it would not come out of them. Mm -hmm. It's just like when you take an orange and I give you an orange and you squeeze it right now, what's gonna come out of it? Orange juice. I can put it on the table, I can put it on the floor, I can put it on top of a heater, you squeeze it, one thing is gonna come out of it, mm -hmm. and that is orange juice. Mm -hmm. 
So when you're under pressure and you see people under pressure, how they start treating each other, that is reflective of their character because it is easy to treat people right when things are going well. How do people treat each other when things are not going well? That is the key and a reflection of someone's true nature. And you think, do you think that that's always like, or do you think it becomes building blocks where people get hurt? They, they, you know, um, put up barriers and they get hurt again. They put up more barriers. So over time it becomes, well, I never used to be vindictive, mm -hmm. but you've hurt me this time. You hurt me this time. You hurt me this time. I keep going back. And now I have a very different feeling towards it. Mm -hmm. Like how do you, do you think that that's um, preventable? Yes, because we're all on a journey and it's our responsibility. Often when we experience hurt and pain in our lives, we, we, we can't control where it comes from and we aren't in charge of the person who hurt us, but we are in charge of our healing. Mm -hmm. I don't believe that people should stay in relationships where they are repeatedly disrespected and dishonored. It's heartbreaking for me to witness that actually, because what happens over time is it starts to become normal for them. Right. And it starts to become a part of their process and a part of their lives. And then they in turn start to believe that they aren't worthy of mm -hmm. the honor and the respect because they're used to being disrespected. So when you're talking about someone over time and that resentment building and those building blocks, it is because of when you stay and that, start, and that becomes a part of your norm, then you're trying to protect yourself. It's like, how do I protect myself? Then you're building up those walls. Yeah. If you own your own business, when an employee leaves your company, whether on good terms or bad, it can feel, I hate to say it, but it actually can feel personal, like you and you alone are the one to blame. And it actually may even trigger you to lock down your business, not open yourself up and not actually risk trying anyone else. Like you actually would your heart after a bad breakup and avoid looking for that new partner altogether. Well, let's face it, sometimes we can do that with hires as well. And trust me, guys, I've been there. I get the thought of bringing in a new stranger into your business actually fills your heart with more anxiety than it does love and joy. But when you post your jobs on LinkedIn, you can actually feel the confidence that you will find the right person for the right job fast because LinkedIn isn't actually just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion billion with a B professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. Because guys, it gives you access to professionals that you actually can't find anywhere else. And so LinkedIn does all that while making the process easy and intuitive, which then makes hiring with confidence easy when you have that many quality candidates. And it's so easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get qualified candidates within 24 hours. So post your jobs for free at linkedin.com slash Lisa. That's linkedin.com slash Lisa to post your job for utterly free. And of course, terms and conditions always apply. As an entrepreneur, one of the biggest challenges you will face is the negative voice in your head. You know who I'm talking about? That may be not so small part of you that loudly doubts your abilities to actually pull the things off and make a living from your passion project. But you've got to overcome that negative voice in your head, homie, because I'm telling you, you can do it especially if you use Shopify. Now, Shopify is an all-in-one global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From launching your business to hitting a million dollars, Shopify has got you completely covered. And with all the built-in Magic AI award-winning customer service and the internet's best converting checkout, you have everything you need to shut down the voice of doubt and make all your amazing business dreams 
a reality. That's exactly why, guys, I love Shopify. So if you want to start growing your business with more customers and sales, shut that negative voice down and prove her wrong that you can do it, Shopify is here for you. So go and sign up for just $1 a month with your trial period at shopify.com slash lisa all lowercase. Again, guys, you can go to shopify.com slash Lisa right now to grow your business no matter where you are and what stage it's in. That's shopify.com slash Lisa. Have you seen those any relationships like that in divorce court where you, in your opinion, it has crossed the boundary and it's like now a partner's being malicious to the other person and you see that it is a norm in their relationship? Have you seen that? And if so, what do you say? Because I'm just trying to think about what are the things or people can identify where they're like, oh, yeah, this has been yeah. um, a long dripping effect yes. that I've now accepted. But if I had flashed back 10 years, I never would have mm. accepted it as like on in and of itself. I see it all the time. And I think that a couple of things happen over time. Uh, it becomes normalized. So people stay longer and then they choose history over their happiness. Ooh, tell me about that. Because they, they look back at the history of their relationship and to when times were good and they reflect on that. And then they think that the pain of staying will be less than the pain of leaving. And it's just not the case because once you leave and you're really able to get yourself out of the situation, you're able to work on yourself that pain will eventually subside, but it can't as long as you remain. So it takes strength and courage and uh, and, and just a, a real sense of knowing that you want something different and something better for yourself for you to be able to walk away. It's a hard truth about life. Sometimes you're gonna have to walk away from people that you love, but you gotta do it for your, for your own peace, for your own self, for your own security and your own future. How do you start to do that then? Because I know that, you know, like we all want things. And so when we want something and we see inclinations or signs, we will have the confirmation bias like, oh my God, see, he does love me mm-hmm. um, or she loves me. Mm-hmm. Um, how do we um, make sure that we're not making decisions based on the confirmation bias? Because like you said, once you're out of it, then you can see, oh, I'm glad mm-hmm. I'm out and now I'm mm-hmm. doing the healing. Yes. But when you're in it, it's hard to see that. Ask yourself this question. Are the two of you committed to the same commitment? And what is that commitment? Mm. Is that commitment treating each other well? Is that commitment learning from your mistakes? Is that commitment bringing a healthy person into the relationship? What are you committed to? Because you can't just say, I'm committed to being in this relationship. It's easy to fall in love, but it takes work to stay there. So what are you committed to? Are you committed to doing the work? If you're with someone who's really not committed to doing the work of what it takes to be in a healthy relationship, then you're not committed to the same commitment. I love that so much. And actually now this perfect time, if you can break down how you approach once you met your your husband now, um, how you started to make sure, because everything you're talking about is so freaking powerful. And not only is it powerful, but you're living, you're the living example of these are the things you actually mean, right? So if yeah. you can break down when you first met your husband, like you went to therapy before you even got engaged. Yes. Like I love all this because I want to make sure that when people are hearing, like mm-hmm. it's, we don't want to fear monger people, right? It's like, right. hey guys, this is the potential death trap that we're all getting ourselves into, into a relationship. 
And then how do we prevent it? How do we empower ourselves to have our eyes wide open, to make a decision based on they're the right person, but mm -hmm. always also going to your point of, but we all also evolve. Yes. So how am I choosing the right person that I can evolve with? Mm -hmm. um, so if you don't mind breaking down how you basically approach this, yes. um, I think it's so genius. <laughs> well, that's that, the reason why I was so motivated to write the book is because I remember going through all those years being single. You know, everyone's journey is different. You're, you've been with your husband a long time, so you have a totally different journey and experience than someone like me mm. who's who only been married for two years. So we have to embrace our journey and where we're going. I wanted to write this book because getting married after 40 years old and hearing all of these things over the course of the years about, you know, what are the possibilities? What are the chances? Well, when are you going to find love? All of these things. And then I end up meeting the most amazing man and uh, and everything that I wanted, everything that I've been waiting for when I met him, it was all worth it. Mm. So I wanted to write the book to say going through the peaks and the valleys and the lessons and the hurt and the pain and everything I learned from it, in the end, it was all worth it because I met the person who added all of the value and added the things that I wanted to add in my life. And I use the word add for a reason because I knew I was bringing a lot to the table and I wanted someone who was going to add to the happiness I already had. So when I met Kenny, and we, we dated for six months before we got engaged. I had just gone through a breakup the year prior to meeting him. It's easy to talk about, you know, the best is yet to come when you're not going through anything or dreaming big about the future. But when you're going through a breakup and you're going through that pain and that hurt, I made a decision and I said, I've learned all of these lessons. This is the time that I will apply it to my life because this is really important now. And so I took out a sheet of paper and I just wrote down what I wanted to see happen in my love life within the next year. I was always really good about doing that in my career, but I'd never really done it in my personal life. Mm. So I took out a sheet of paper and I said, within the next year, I'm gonna meet my husband. And I wrote about the things that I would be attracted to in him, what kind of person he would be. And I took that sheet of paper and I put it in my nightstand and I looked at it every day. Now I wasn't out, you know, walking the streets every day looking for and saying, is that him? You know, <laughs> yeah. I wasn't doing that, but I expected that that would happen. And the second thing I did is I released that prior relationship. I didn't fight for it. I didn't hang on to it. I decided I will radically accept that this relationship is coming to an end and there's a reason for it coming to an end. I didn't, I was in pain. I was hurt about it, but I wasn't going to suffer through it like mm -hmm. I did in the past. And I said, I'm going to let this go and I'm going to open myself up to meet my husband, the love of my life. And six months later, I was out taking voice lessons again. You know, I used to sing years ago and I was thinking, what, what can I do? What do I like to do? What are just some of the things that I really love doing? And I thought, I want to sing. I want to go out and take some voice lessons again. And so in the midst of doing that, I met with someone who works in music. My husband is a professional singer. I met with someone who works in music. We were just having lunch one day. I was not thinking this is the day that someone's going mm -hmm. to introduce me to the man I marry. I was just doing the things that I loved and going through life. And I met with a music producer and he said in that moment that he sat down with me, he knew that he wanted to introduce me to Kenny. 
And when he talks about the story, he said he went home to his wife that day and he said to her, I met someone who I want to introduce to Kenny, but I'm a little hesitant because I don't know her that well, just in a professional setting. But he was really good friends with Kenny, had known him for 15 years. And she said, well, what do you think? What do you feel? And he said, I think they're perfect for each other and they should meet. And so he orchestrated us meeting. And so six months after I wrote that note that I was going to meet my husband, I went and had lunch with the man that I would marry a year later. I love that story so much. What do you think writing that down actually does? Mm -hmm. I became honest with myself about what I really wanted. And I also had a very honest conversation with God in that moment about what I really wanted. And writing it down for me made it more real right. for me. And uh, it was really important for me to have the courage to be able to do that because I think for so long I was fearful that I would get my hopes up about love again mm -hmm. and it I would be disappointed yet again. Mm -hmm. And I realized something really important at the time in my life. I could not be a cynic about love and attract it into my life at the same time. So I had to let go a lot of the things in the past that I'd gone through to be able to open myself up to love like I wanted to. Yeah, because that's so powerful because, you know, just as a regular person who may have gone through some, you know, bad breakups, you do get cynical. But you for you who has had like the extreme and seen like the horrors that really you know, a, a, a bad relationship can lead to. Mm -hmm. um, the fact that you're not cynical and that you're not sitting there with your husband with your little notepad, like waiting like, oh, I'm watching, <laughs> like just drop the ball once, I've got my eye on you, yeah, right? Yeah. Because you're so worried that yeah. your relationship could turn into something mm -hmm. bad. Um, what are the things that you're actually doing in order for you to make sure that you, you're not cynical? Because that's the one thing. So I've been married for 20 years yes. and about to celebrate our 20 year wedding anniversary. Congratulations. And thank you. And I have said you know we've got our non-negotiables in our relationship yeah. and we've made them very clear from day one mm -hmm. you can't hit me or cheat on me those two things mm -hmm. I'm out the door there's no discussion there's no explanation I'm literally packing my bags and I'm out the door we've both uh, we've made it very clear but then thinking about if he did right? I can't control him like I like to think I've got a stable marriage and I do everything but there's there's no being able to control someone else mm -hmm. and I think about if he cheated on me I've had 20 years of faith and believing him and his word and all the flags, and I don't see any red flags. I don't know how I would believe in love again huh. after that. And I, I, I tell him that very honestly. Mm. I'm like, I have no idea how mm. I'd believe in love again or trust love, or trust myself to be able to trust someone that says they wouldn't do it. Yes. So I can only imagine mm -hmm. people who have been in relationships where they feel the way that I felt yeah. and they have had someone betray them. Yeah. How? have you been able to stay so positive in the relationships, in love, in marriage, in respect, in mm -hmm. all of that? How have you able to, to do that? What you describe is so real because that's what happens over time when you've been through betrayal and heartbreak and you've had your, the, the trust has been broken. Mm -hmm. And I go through all these stories in the book because I had all of these dating experiences and, it, but at some point, it's a journey. I don't think you can just wake up one day and say, you know what, I had all these experiences, but today I'm gonna be healed and whole and walk out and 
attract the love of my dreams. It is a journey, it is a process. It is a daily process when you've been broken by someone who promised to love you forever. And at some point though, it is a decision that you will not live your life based on fear. Because what it really is, is a fear of getting hurt again mm. and a fear of being heartbroken again. And I went through that. And I really had to ask myself, who do I want my husband to meet? Do I want him to meet a faith that's been battered and bruised and broken in the past? Or do I want him to meet someone who's gone through this healing journey and this healing process, still going through it because we all are as we go through life. And I decided that I wanted him to meet the latter. The second thing is I realized that that fear wasn't serving me. What it really was doing was poisoning my perspective. And I didn't mm -hmm. want someone new in my life to pay the price for something they had nothing to do with in my past. When you go through heartbreak and someone has betrayed you, it takes time to heal from that. So I took time in between some of my relationships to get past it, to work through it, and to do all those things. And you think in your mind at the time, I'm never gonna be able to trust, I'm never gonna be able to love again because you, you, someone has broken your core, one of your core values, and that is the loyalty. But you will. You will when you make a decision that you will do the work to work through it and get past it. You cannot control what other people do. You can only control how you respond to it. I love that so much. So when you're in a, if people find themselves in a toxic relationship, mm -hmm. what do you find the thing that holds people, um, that keeps people there? There's, there's so many things, but I, I find that over time, there's an element of control that has been exerted in their lives. If, we, if you look at the, um, the show that I'm doing now and the cases that we have on the show, there's a common element in theme throughout their relationships. And I think that it's a level of control. And seeing that so early on, and then people thinking that it is a form of love, unfortunately. Mm -hmm because, oh, he cares so much, that's why he's calling me five times a day to see where I am. It takes strength and a lot of um, self-reflection and inner reflection to realize when you're in something that is not healthy for you. And a lot of times when we have friends and family who recognize things and they say things to us, it's not people who are, just trying to rain on our happy parade of love, they can see things on the outside that you can't sometimes. And so, you know, taking a step back and listening and observing and then asking yourself, what do you really want the relationship to look like in your life? It's really important to have some element of independence, even when you're in a relationship because you never wanna feel like you're staying because you have to. Yeah not because you want to. Yeah. How many people do you think do that stay because they feel like they have to, especially if you've got kids and... Um... It's hard. It's, it's hard, it's really challenging. I, and I can't, when people ask me, is it time for me to get a divorce? Why? Yeah, I bet you get asked that all the time. If you're asking me that question, you already know the answer. Ah. 
Mm. And and so I'm not going to get I'm not going to tell you. Oh, yes, it's time absent. You know, there are some, of course, some situations where I talk about get out immediately when it's forms of abuse and I see it and you're telling me about it. Absolutely. But the other decisions that you're making when relationships are growing apart and all these other things, it's a very deeply personal decision. And I have friends who have gone through divorce and it took them years mm. to get there because of all of the other issues that they were having to grapple with, what this would really mean and how it would affect so many lives. But I will tell you, most of them tell me that it took me years to get there, but it was something that I probably should have done sooner. Yes. So how do you get people to do it sooner so they don't waste their lives? Like, is, what is that thing? I mean, obviously, I think it's denial, right? People don't want to admit that maybe the relationship is going the wrong way, so they stay with it, right? So it's like, I can, there's like elements that I can understand why people stay in yeah. that relationship. Um, but like, what is that thing of like, how do you try and help people like to eliminate those years where they they knew it yeah. i mean literally they knew this relationship isn't going to work but then they stay for the greater good of the kids for the greater good of the family for the you know for the good of um even their partner who mm -hmm. isn't making them happy mm -hmm. um do you think that it's just inevitable and they have to come to that conclusion by themselves they really do and it's a choice you pay now or you pay later mm -hmm. some people are not willing to pay now so they, they, they pay later. And sometimes when their relationship issues, they come in peaks and valleys. So when the good times are good, they hang on to them. When the bad times are bad, they're hoping that they will go back to the good. Mm -hmm. And But again, it goes back to, are you really committed to the same commitment and are you working towards that commitment together? I have another uh, friend actually, whose wedding I went to, he was only married for a year. I went to the wedding and I talked to him about this and I interviewed him for my book because I wanted to know the opposite of that as well. Mm -hmm. There are people who remain in relationships far longer. And I always say there's only one thing worse than being in a bad relationship that's overextending your stay in one. And then his story. And I interviewed her, him for the book because I wanted to know what made you make the decision so early on in your marriage. And he said that what I've heard many times people will often tell you they never wish they moved faster when they come in. No one ever comes in and say, wow, I wish we would have moved faster. <laughs> they always wish that they would have taken more time and they would have gotten to know the other person more because he said what happened is when they got married, he realized that there were all of these things that he had really turned a blind eye to hoping that they would get better after the wedding and they didn't, they got worse. And I tell people a wedding does not change anything. Maybe your last name, but it won't change anything else about someone. They will break the bank, but it doesn't break bad habits. <laughs> so if someone has those bad habits prior to the wedding, nothing about being at that altar, being in a dress, being in a tux is going to change any of that. So actually, it's funny you say that because my sister, the same thing happened where she was in a relationship for a, actually a while and then she got married and then very soon after she got married, she realized she shouldn't have got married. Mm -hmm. And when in talking to her about it, she talks about the pressure and the, 
the cultural pressure. Mm. I'm Greek Orthodox, so you know, once wow. you've been with someone for a while, it's like, well, hang on, where's the next step? You've been together for two years. Yes. Where's the marriage? Yes. You've been married for. I got the. You've been married for a year. Where are the kids? Mm. Like so. Absolutely. The questions don't stop coming. <laughs> by the way, they just don't. So that's why I say people just live their life. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, but you you talk about in the book about the pressure that, that mm. was coming your way all the time, and you call it, I believe, the danger zone. Yes. So, talk to me about the danger zone and how we can avoid it because I love what you're saying in that there's multiple um, issues. It's people stay in relationships way too long and they haven't been able to identify along the way the red flags needed either to maneuver and improve the relationship or to get out. Mm -hmm. And there's the other side of it, like you said, where you maybe should never have got married in the first mm -hmm. place. And so how do we identify those and then the danger zones? Well, for me as a single woman in my 20s and my 30s and being a, a professional woman, working all these other things, there was this external pressure that people would try to place on me by just the questioning of why I was single as if it was a byproduct of something wrong within mm -hmm. me. If you're not careful over time, you will internalize that messaging and being single can start to feel like something you're embarrassed about. Right. Or that it's something that you need to get out of as soon as possible. Mm -hmm. That's what I call the danger, the danger zone because it's like people are telling you to just pick somebody already. And I didn't want to do that. I'd looked at people who had just picked someone because they succumbed to the pressure of some artificial timeline. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want that to be me. So you have these questions coming for you and people were not shy about asking me. I would meet people and they would say, oh, I, hi, so nice to meet you. Why aren't you married? I'll never forget that happened once when I went home to a family event. That was the first question that someone asked me in front of other people. And it's like, you're so taken aback by it because what does the messaging really imply to you? You've got all of these great things, but you can't really be that happy because you don't have a man. Mm -hmm. So I had to take a step back and say, the people asking you that, that is a reflection of them. That is not a reflection of you. To your point, the questions don't stop coming. As soon as I got married, guess what people started asking me? When well, when are you gonna have kids? Of course. And for my friends who have children, people, well, when are you gonna have another one? Are you gonna have another one? Are you gonna try for a girl? Are you gonna try for a boy? You have to get used to just really ignoring all of the noise around you mm. and being okay with what your personal journey is. You don't have to explain it. You don't have to defend it. You don't have to share it. It is your journey and your personal life and it takes strength. Mm. And that's why you, know, you read books like mine. I started reading, you know how I learned? I started reading and sharing with other women what I was learning about what worked and what didn't, some of these core principles in relationships. And what I learned was no one was going to put pressure on me to do something or be committed to someone just for the sake of saying that I was in a relationship. Do you understand the implications of choosing a life partner? Do you understand the time you're gonna be spending with this person, the type of influence they're gonna have over your life? If you choose to have children, the type of influence they'll have over your children's lives, it is the most important decision you will make in your life, not your career, not any of those things. That is a decision. And no one was going to put pressure on me to move faster because they thought I needed to be on some kind of timeline.
Oh my God, that's so powerful. And to your, the title of your book, Don't Settle, um, so many people, and I don't know if you found this, but growing up, again, I was Greek Orthodox family, so I very much, it was like the end goal was you're married. That was like the end goal. It's like, just get married and you'll be fine. You even said like, hang on, you've got a freaking fiery career. You're loving your life. You're, you know, settled. You're living in a place that you love. And then you go to this thing and everyone's like, oh, hang on, but you're not married. Hang on, right? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Um, there are, there is an insinuation in that. Mm -hmm. There's multiple insinuations is that your life isn't complete until yes. this actually happens. Yes. And then also there's a more like, oh, but so what's wrong with you? Because mm -hmm. someone else hasn't accepted you. Versus what I love what you're saying is I haven't accepted someone else. That's it. That's it. That's it. It's, it's, it's your journey and your life path and your decision to make. And you know, we talk about rejection in the book because mm, this is yes. so important, especially when you're single and you're dating. You can be the total package at the wrong address. So just because you're single does not mean that there is something off within you. I went through a lot of rejection over the years of, of, of dating and you're gonna go through rejection in life. It's just gonna happen with jobs, with your career, with friends, relationships, all of those things, you have to be able to master how to handle rejection. I went to, I talk about this in my book, this one story that really shaped my entire perspective on rejection. I was in college and I was not dating anyone. I didn't really date seriously in college at all, but there was a really cute guy at, at the school that I liked, I kind of had a crush on him. And we had this formal event coming up every year that um, a lot of the kids at the school would go to when you would dress up in a gowns and suits. And it was really fun. It was like the prom, mm -hmm. but it was college. And it was a few days away and I decided I was gonna ask this really cute guy that I would see in the student union every day to go with me. Not a big deal, not asking him to date or be my boyfriend or anything like that. Just go to this event. So I went over to him and I asked him, I said, hey, we're having this event Friday night. You've probably heard about it. Uh, I'm going, I was gonna go by myself, but I would love to have a date. Would you like to go with me? Well, he got really flustered and fumbled over his words a bit. And then he, you know, straightened himself up and he told me no. Rejected right then on the spot in the student union. And I remember standing there and being a little bit embarrassed and just kind of avoiding him for the rest of the semester. But I went to the event anyway. Five years later, and this was so key because a lot of times these situations happen and you don't know the why and you, you never really learn the why. Five years later, I'm back in my college town and I'm walking down the street with some friends and we go into a store and this guy is in the store. He sees me, calls me over, and he starts talking to me about the event from five years ago. He said, you remember when you asked me to go to this event? I had forgotten. I didn't remember. But he starts telling me, and I did remember. And I was like, oh, yes. And he said, you know, I told you no, that I couldn't go with you. But I really, I want to tell you the reason why. He said, I really liked you. And I really actually wanted to go with you, but I didn't have a suit. I didn't have anything to wear. And I was too embarrassed to tell you that I didn't have anything to wear. Now, at this time, I'm thinking everybody had one of those big Steve Harvey suits in their closet. <laughs> yeah. Remember the suits he used to wear? Yes. But apparently not, not him. But he told me that story and I thought, wow, I remember how my feelings were so hurt back then. And I thought, he didn't like me, like he didn't like me enough to go to this event with me. And 
I think when you think about rejection, it's so important that you remember, you know, a lot of times rejection has nothing to do with you. It's what somebody else is dealing with and their perspective and what's going on in their lives. But if we're not careful, we make it a whole story about us. Mm -hmm. We're not smart enough. We're not good enough. All these other stories we tell ourselves and we build in our minds over time as to why we're being rejected. In that moment, I realized I could not take rejection so personal in my life whether it was a job, a career, any of those things, I would not take it so personal because so often it just wasn't about me. That saved me a lot of heartache and about five pounds of ice cream <laughs> over the next several years. I love that story so much because here's what I think. Um, there are multiple ways that in that moment where you get rejected, you could have really internalized it, right? You even said like, okay, clearly he doesn't like me. But at least thinking about myself in college, like being insecure yes. and not really like being confident in who I was and really wanting to be liked because I'd been bullied and picked on yeah. in school. I could see myself going, oh, this is probably what he doesn't like about me, so let me change it. Absolutely. And now a misinterpretation that I've had on someone else in their own head, thinking about themselves, I've now internalized it. It's all about me. I now want to be liked, I have an insecurity in me, right? So I now adjust and adapt to try and be liked. And then before you know it, you are now someone that doesn't necessarily compute with who you want to be. Yeah. And all because someone didn't have a suit. It okay, had right. nothing to do with what they actually felt about you. Yeah. Yeah. And in your book, you really do self in, like internalize everything. It's all about, you know, the, the you in the sense of who can I show up to be? Mm -hmm. What's the best person I can show up? And you even said it earlier, to let them into your life versus yes. you molding yourself to fit that person's life. Yes. Um, and that was very evident when you were approaching your relationship with your now husband um, and you guys went into therapy before you got engaged yes. and then went into therapy again before you got, got married. Absolutely. Can you talk to me about that? Because it's so powerful. Mm -hmm. I'd never heard of also someone getting therapy before they got engaged. Yes. And also after. Well, when you get engaged and you announce your engagement and everyone's celebrating and everyone's happy and then you go into counseling, what happens when a big issue comes up? Are most people gonna really take a step back and not go forward with a wedding when they've now announced to the world that they're getting married? So I wanted to put our relationship in the best possible position to really win. And I knew that I was smart and had learned all of these things about relationships because it was my idea mm -hmm. to go to counseling and he was very open to it and accepting. But I thought, am I really asking all of the right questions because I have not been married before? This is a new experience for me. So is there something that I'm missing? Why don't we go to a third party who's a professional who does this for a living and they can ask some additional questions just in case I'm missing something. I called it doing my due diligence. And that's what I talk about <laughs> in the book, so <laughs> doing my due diligence. And, um, and so that's what we did. But it gave me so much peace when we did get engaged it was, it was so much peace in that decision because we'd already gone through this journey of counseling and going to therapy and talking about all of these things, expectations. What do you expect from a mm -hmm. wife? What do you expect from a husband? A lot of, you know, just so many things that we talked about that were really important to be, bring to the forefront before you say yes to forever. 
these are the discussions that we wanted to have, not after. So after we said yes to this forever love, then we started having different discussions in our counseling sessions. But it was really important for me to go to those sessions before I made the decision to say yes. It's so smart. Like everything you just said is like, oh my God, of course, yes. But we don't do it in matters of the heart. Mm. We would do, of course, like if you're buying a house, if you're buying a car, yes. right? It's like, well, what's the VIN number? Let me make sure it wasn't in yep. any car accidents, right? It's like you do all of your research when you're about to invest, but we don't do that in matters of the heart. And I actually, I've heard people say like, um, relationships shouldn't be hard work, right? Love, like, isn't love enough? Mm. And the truth is, it's like, you, you hope it is, but it's not. The truth is, is that like anything, if you're entering, you even said, like, it's, it's marriage is new to me. So of course I would look into what does it take for a marriage? Yeah. And it's like a business, right? You would do the same thing. It's like, okay, what is it going to take? How do I understand P&Ls? How do I build out my mm -hmm. team? What does it mean to be a manager? Mm -hmm. But with relationships and love, we don't do that same type of thing. It's really interesting, isn't it? Because in every other area of our life, when we talk about success, people say a key is preparation. Yes. People think that love is just a feeling right. and that this feeling is going to is going to be what makes our relationship stand the test of time. Mm -hmm. But it's really not. It's a commitment to the relationship when the feeling ebbs and flows <laughs> because we're human. Our feelings are going to change over time. So for me, I wanted to prepare just when I was in law school and I prepared for exams. What did I do? I studied right. all of those things. So it was all about preparing because I wanted to set myself up for success in my relationship, just like I did for all those other aspects of life. Yeah. And that's what I love that you've done. And what your book has is just like it's really setting the, the stage for this is it's all the pre-work. You can't just show up and expect it to happen. No, nope. you have to build the foundation. And Sis Don't Settle is the freaking foundation to, I believe, a true, like, long-lasting, happy, fulfilling relationship. Where can people follow you? Where can people find the book? And just all the amazing, all the shows that you're doing is so fun. <laughs> I've got a lot on my plate right now, but um, I, I, I feel really blessed because this is really the story that I wanted to share with women. One of my life goals was to inspire and empower women in their journey to finding that authentic love. Uh, because I do believe that you can have the love that you want in your life. And, uh, and I hope, hope that this book is a part of the key to unlocking that for people. So it's everywhere books are sold. Uh, I'm on social media, uh, Judge Faith Jenkins. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. And people write to me every day and give me feedback about the book. I love reading it. So it's it's been really amazing. That's and right. thank you so much for having me here. Oh, it's my God, honor. my pleasure. Your advice is so fire. Guys, 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 you've got to go check out Sis Don't Settle out now. When I say this is literally a guide to setting your relationship up so that it doesn't end up in divorce court. Oh, God forbid, on killer mm. relationships. Um, but literally, this is a foundation on how to build a long-lasting relationship and a successful happy long-lasting relationship so go check it out if you're not following me follow me at lisa billu and until next time guys be the hero of your own life peace out sis don't settle